upon a time. Mary had a naughty heart and didn't know what to do. She tried and tried to clean it up and make it bright and new. But Jesus had a better way when Mary did her part. He took her badness all away and gave her his clean heart. I learned those words as a little girl in a song that was part of a book called Naughty Heart, Clean Heart by Susan Davis. My parents read my brother and me the story when we were growing up, and today I want to share part of it with you. I hope the children that are here today will enjoy and understand, and that the young people and older ones too won't be offended by its simplicity. The gospel of Jesus is profound and simple at the same time. I created some PowerPoint slides uh, several years ago when I prepared to share the story with um, the children in my classroom, so we're going to use some of those to help you visualize and, and follow the storyline. Before I share the story, let's pause for prayer. Father, this morning we've come to worship you, and we've already done so through song and giving and prayer, and this morning um, I just pray that you'll let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, my strength and my Redeemer, that they'll also be a blessing and an encouragement to the people who hear my voice. In Jesus' name, amen. So the book starts like this. Mary was a little girl, just about your size. She wanted to be good, just as you do. She wanted to go to heaven. Only good people will be there, you know. And that was the problem. The harder Mary tried to be good, the worse she got. Her heart looked like this, and it seemed there wasn't a thing she could do about it. Mary got so tired of trying to be good. She knew that in heaven an angel was writing down everything she said and everything she did, and her record book in heaven looked like this. Mary knew that Jesus could help her, so the only thing she could think of doing was to ask him to help her. And that is what she did. She got down on her knees and said, Dear Jesus, please help me. Please make me so I won't be naughty anymore. Make my heart clean. Now, when Mary asked Jesus to help her, this is what happened. He took her naughty heart away and gave her a brand new heart. It was an extra special heart, full of smiles and songs and love and goodness. It was Jesus' own heart. He had given it to Mary. He was glad he had given it to her. When the angel in heaven looked down on Mary, he did not see a naughty heart anymore. All he could see was the goodness of Jesus, so he had to change Mary's book, and all across the sins written there, he wrote in beautiful, clear red letters, Forgiven. At this point in the book, we would stop and sing the song together, usually my mom and my brother and me. Mama liked for us to substitute our words, our names, in the song. So it went something like this. Esther had a naughty heart and didn't know what to do. She tried and tried to clean it up and make it bright and new. But Jesus had a better way when Esther did her part. 
he took her badness all away and gave her his clean heart. The Bible is pretty clear about the bad news. Romans 3.10, there is no one without sin. None. Verse 23, all people have sinned and fall short or are not good enough for God's glory. But the story continues. The Bible tells us that everyone has a naughty heart. It also tells us that everyone who has a naughty heart must die. Jesus loves us so much that he wanted to do something for us so we would not have to die. So he came from heaven down to our earth. While he was here, he lived exactly right. He didn't do one wrong thing. He had a beautiful, clean life like this. When Mary asked Jesus to help her, he didn't just fix up her naughty heart. It couldn't be fixed. So he took it away and gave her a beautiful, clean heart, just like his own. And then, because he loved her so much, he offered to die in her place. That's a lot of love. As the story progresses, Jesus listens to Mary's prayers every morning and evening when she asked him to help her keep her new heart. One day, she was playing with her little brother when he took a toy that she had. Without thinking, Mary pulled his hair and yelled at him. Suddenly she thought, a Jesus girl wouldn't do that, and she felt so sorry. Now what do you suppose Jesus did? Did he say, well Mary, you sinned, now you can't have my nice clean heart anymore. Here's your old naughty one back again. Did he say that? No, he didn't. He certainly didn't. He made Mary think, that wasn't the right thing to do. And quickly Mary thought, I'm sorry, Jesus, I'm sorry. And then Jesus forgave her. So Mary's book in heaven is still clean. The angel started to write down Mary's sin, but quickly saw that she had made a mistake. She saw that she had made a mistake and asked Jesus to forgive her. There's a Bible promise that so many times has brought me comfort and hope. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This month, we're focusing on thanksgiving. I think this Bible promise right here is one of the best things God could promise to us. It's certainly something to be thankful for. So do you mind if I tell you a little more of the story? You do mind? Okay. All right. I, I'm going to summarize so the adults don't get bored. Uh, sometimes Mary forgot she would make mistakes, but every day she asked Jesus to keep her heart clean. Day by day, he filled her with his goodness. She didn't have to try quite so hard now. She did have to do her part, which was to choose to talk to Jesus every day and to let him take her heart and give her his. So that's what she did. Satan was not happy about this. He knew that if Mary was thinking about Jesus and talking to Jesus, she was getting ready for heaven. Satan won't be in heaven. 
And that makes him so angry that he doesn't want anyone else to get there either. So after breakfast one morning, he whispered to Mary, 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 remember those cookies Mother made last night? <laughs> you haven't tasted them yet, but they sure look good. Mary almost started for the cookie jar when she remembered Mother didn't want her to eat between meals. So quickly, she asked Jesus to help her. Did Jesus help her? Yes, he did. Mary didn't go to the cookie jar but just stood quietly and pretty soon started to think, I'm not even hungry. That cookie will taste good after lunch. And she ran out to play. Satan had to leave because Mary had asked Jesus for help. In the book Steps to Christ, page 62, it's a beautiful passage. It says, Because of Adam's sin, our natures are fallen. And we cannot make ourselves righteous. Since we are sinful, unholy, we cannot obey the holy law. We have no righteousness of our own with which to meet the claims of the law of God. But Christ has made a way of escape for us. He lived on earth amid trials and temptations such as we have to meet. He lived a sinless life. He died for us and now he offers to take our sins and give us his righteousness. If you give yourself to him and accept him as your savior, then sinful as your life may have been, for his sake you are accounted righteous. Christ's character stands in place of your character, and you are accepted before God just as if you had not sinned. But you remember those verses from Romans 3? All have sinned, no one is righteous. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So although I look at myself and I think, you know, I, I, I'm pretty good overall, you know, but in reality, that verse makes it clear that I can't even trust myself to know my own heart. Maybe you still have your Bibles open to the scripture reading for this morning, Psalm 51. Psalm 51 was written by King David. After he was called out by Nathan the prophet for a terrible sin, David starts out with an anguished plea. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquities. Cleanse me from my sin. Over in Psalm 139, there's another plea in verse 23 that says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. So I haven't done anything nearly as bad as King David. I mean, that was like adultery with murder to cover it up. All sorts of ugly things. And yet when I look in the mirror of God's word, he tells me that I'm selfish. I can see my pride, my stubbornness, my self-sufficiency. And I realize I need God to have mercy on me, too. I'm a good person, but on my own, my goodness isn't good enough for heaven. So Mary had a naughty heart, or Tommy had a naughty heart, or Levine had a naughty heart, or Zion had a naughty heart, or, or, or Leah, or Layla, or Elisa, or Genesis, or Trey, 
Should I start calling on the adults too? You're going to feel like my students, right? Jimmy, we all need Jesus. Esther had a naughty heart. So let's zoom in on verse 10, the verse that Janet um, started with this morning. I have it here in the King James Version. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. I want to emphasize something that's really important here. Getting a clean heart isn't something that you do just once. Like being baptized doesn't magically make you perfect. Conversion isn't a one-time experience. Every day we need to give our hearts to Jesus and allow him to work in us. There's another beautiful passage in Steps to Christ from uh, page 70. It says, Consecrate yourself to God in the morning. Make this your very first work. Let your prayer be, Take me, O Lord, as wholly thine. That means all yours. I lay all my plans at your feet. Use me today in your service. Abide with me and let all my work be done in you. This is a daily matter. Each morning, consecrate yourself to God for that day. Surrender all your plans to him to be carried out or given up as his providence shall indicate. Thus, day by day, you may be giving your life into the hands of God, and thus your life will be molded more and more after the life of Christ. So it's something we have to do every day. A life in Christ is a life of restfulness. There may be no ecstasy of feeling, but there should be an abiding, peaceful trust. Your hope is not in yourself. It is in Christ. So you are not to look for yourself, not to let the minds dwell upon self, but to look to Christ. Philippians 2.5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let your minds dwell on his love, on the beauty, the perfection of his character, Christ in his purity and holiness, Christ in his matchless love, this is the subject for the soul's contemplation. It is by loving him, copying him, depending wholly, entirely, completely on him that you are to be transformed into his likeness. So we talk about God speaking to our hearts. What we mean is he's speaking to our minds. The Bible uses those terms interchangeably. So having the mind of Christ is having the heart of Christ, a clean heart. Let's look at Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27. This is one of my very favorite Bible verses. It's one that I thank God for every single morning. It was also one of my mom's favorite passages, and um, that reminds me that I'm, I'm thankful for godly parents who taught me and modeled for me over a lifetime what I'm trying to share briefly with you this morning, the truth that I need Jesus and he can provide everything for my salvation that my part is to choose to accept his gift and that when I do, he changes me so that I can and I want to live for him. The same is true for you too. So Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27 says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. 
And right there, that's good news. It's something to thank God for, but it's not all. Look at verse 27. He says, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. So let's look a take a closer look at these promises from God. In school, we would call it a close read. You read it over and over and understand it better. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. Who's talking? God. I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. I will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. I will give you. I will take out. I will put within. I will cause you. God is doing all the work, right? And after all that he's done for us, then he ends with, you will walk in my statutes. You will keep my covenants and do them. So I will give you a clean heart, a new heart, put a new spirit within you. He gives me his clean heart in place of my naughty, sinful heart. Jesus said in John 15, without me, you can do nothing. But he gives me his Holy Spirit. He provides the ability for me to walk obediently with him. And because of that gift, that pure heart, and his Holy Spirit, I'm able to follow and obey. Jesus provides for my salvation. He has a better way. That's something to be thankful for, right? So what do we do when we learn something new, something good? We want to tell somebody else about it, right? So in the story that my mom used to read to me about Mary... She feels sad because she has a neighbor friend named Tommy who isn't happy in his heart. She can tell because he still likes to do naughty things. She realizes that he doesn't know about having a clean heart, and she wants to share with him what she has experienced. So one day she's able to explain to him that it's like a trade, like trading a bag of marbles for a brand new soccer ball, that Jesus takes away our badness and gives us his goodness. In the story, Tommy spends a long time thinking and deciding what he'll do with the information Mary shared for him. He isn't sure if he wants a clean heart. Maybe sometimes you feel the same way. So let's imagine for a moment that you have to choose between two beautiful gift boxes. Both of them are nicely wrapped. Both of them look good to you but one of them has a new Sabbath outfit inside, and the other one has some old greasy rags inside. Can you choose the better one? Not yet. But what if each of the boxes had a little note on it? Suppose the note on the present, one of the presents said greasy rags, and the other one said Sabbath clothes. Now can you choose the better present? Yes. Jesus knew it would be hard for us to choose between a clean heart and a naughty heart if we didn't know what was inside each one. Isaiah 64, 6 
says, but we are all like an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. So he thought of a way to help us. In the Bible, he has told us what each heart has inside. The Bible says the naughty heart is full of uncleanness, idols, hatred, fighting, anger, envy, and other wicked things. It brings death. The clean heart, God tells us, is full of love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, and other nice things. It leads to eternal life. Now, each of us, like Tommy, are sure that the clean heart is really the better heart. But does Jesus try to make us take the clean heart? No. He lets us choose whichever one we want. He tells us the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's a wonderful gift to be thankful for. Jesus offers to trade with you. He'll take your naughtiness, your sin, and give you his goodness. He died for your sin, so you wouldn't have to. So this morning, we, like the people of Nehemiah and Ezra's time that we studied about in our Sabbath school lesson, have heard the word of God. We know his plan and his purpose for us is much higher than we've already achieved. And so we confess our sins and accept his gracious gift of forgiveness and salvation. But then what? Do we just go back to living our lives the way we always have? No, Jesus has changed us. Steps to Christ, page 62, again, continuing on from where I read before. Christ changes the heart. He abides in the heart by faith. You are to maintain this connection with Christ by faith and the continual surrender of your will to him. And so long as you do this, he will work in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. Then with Christ working in you, you will manifest the same spirit and do the same good works, works of righteousness, obedience. We have nothing in ourselves of which to boast. We have no ground for self-exaltation. Our only ground of hope is in the righteousness of Christ imputed to us. That means like infused into us. It becomes part of who we are. That is done by his spirit working in and through us. In Christ Object Lessons, there's another beautiful prayer that goes like this. Lord, take my heart, for I cannot give it. It is your property. Keep it pure, for I cannot keep it for you. Save me in spite of myself, my weak, unchristlike self. Mold me, raise me into a pure and holy atmosphere where the rich current of your love can flow through my soul. Once Jesus has taken our sinful hearts and given us his pure heart, it changes us. We want to be kind. We want to obey. We want to be helpful. We want to share. It's not instantaneous. Sometimes it requires a lot of work, a lot of willpower. But God provides everything we need for this part too. Philippians 2 verse 13 promises, It is God who works in you 
both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So over time, then, we can come to say, like the psalmist, I delight to do your will, O my God. Yes, your law is within my heart. In Isaiah 61.10, we read, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul will be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. And Jude 24 tells us that he is able to keep you from falling. He presents you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Jesus gives us his word, according to John 15, 11, because he wants his joy to remain in us and our joy to be full. Rudy Michelli sings a song with a powerful message. It's called, I Live for You, and I'd like for us to listen to it now. Lost in darkness, never knowing where to turn. I thought I had all the answers, but I had so much to learn. Like a child, I had gone astray, trying to make it on my own. Like a father, you me and you show the way back home and now that I know the truth that you proclaim I will keep trusting you to fill me up till only you remain and I will not rest until my every word brings glory to your name. In all that I am, in all that I do, I live for you. Dead, I had to pay. And now I want to tell the world the difference you have made. You have changed the way I live and love and made my heart brand new. Now that we are joined together, I know I'm nothing without you. Now that I know the truth that you proclaim, I will keep trusting you to fill me up till only you remain. And I will not rest until my every 
glory to your name in all that I am in all that I do I live for you now that I know the truth that you proclaim oh Lord I will keep trusting you to fail glory to your name in all that I am in all that I do I live for you in all that I am and all that I do I live for you desire this morning to have that clean heart from Jesus and live for him in my classroom every morning at the beginning of the day when we have worship I invite the kids to kneel and then to just talk to him quietly so although we're not in the classroom and I'm not gonna make you kneel I want to just invite you to quietly talk to Jesus for just a minute let him know what your decision is about him today Create in me a clean heart, oh God. As we close, uh, I'm going to invite you to sing a very well-known hymn, Jesus Loves Me, and ask that you would sing it really, truly thoughtfully. Sometimes we just sing because we know the song, like maybe we've sung it a hundred times before. But let's really think about the words that we're singing, and sing because we really, truly mean it. Jesus loves me. Let's take these hearts of ours, make them pure and all yours. Because you died for us, we want today to go from this place to love others and live for you each and every day. Thank you, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen.